It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hear me clearly. America is not a racist country. He was trending on Twitter being called Uncle Tom and Uncle Tim, which I can many, many Americans consider a racial slur. So it's okay to be racist and use racial slurs towards black men as long as they are Republicans. Inherited a nation. We all did. That was in crisis. The worst attack on our democracy since the Civil War. Of course, everybody understands that Operation Warp Speed happened under... Joe Biden, but getting vaccines into arms was uh, a Biden operation. (laughs) Well, 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 there was a bit of a retraction, uh, a couple of retractions, as a matter of fact, from the media yesterday. In such a rush to call the uh, Joe Biden uh, State of the Union-y thing last night a brilliant, brilliant uh, speech and uplifting and positive and a great change of tone uh, that they attributed all sorts of stuff to him that really wasn't his own, <laughs> which is uh, what you just hear. This is Gloria Berger, Borger, Bor- Bor- the CNN. What also struck me was that this was not a message that was a Donald Trump message at all. He was not speaking to the base of the party, except in one area where he was refusing to give uh, Joe Biden any credit. On COVID. Talking about Tim Scott's part of the speech. 19. He said the tide had already turned on COVID-19 when, um, when Biden became president. And, of course, everybody understands that Operation Warp Speed happened under Joe Biden. But getting vaccines into arms was uh, a Biden operation. You know, right. We know that they give Joe Biden a lot of credit. Uh, for competency on what he did about getting vaccines into arms. And let me state, I misstated it earlier. Donald Trump uh, gets uh, credit for Operation Warp Speed. Uh, but 
Joe Biden gets credit on getting those vaccines, those shots into your arms. But truly, Donald Trump was getting vaccines into uh, arms. Yeah, we were up to a million a day. Biden's original goal of 100 million right. in 100 days. We were accelerating up and had already reached a million a day when he took office. So it would have been surprising if it had stayed flat or gone down from there. If anything, I mean, it's what we would have expected yes. to happen. We're we're on Trump's timeline here. He said by April everyone could have one. Now by April everyone can have one and Biden's like, "See what I did?" Like, no, it, you didn't. You know what else Operation Warp Speed did that I learned in recently because a liberal was By the way, one of the arms that Operation Warp Speed got uh vaccinated was joe biden's right exactly during the trump administration if i recall correctly um but not only that but you know we talk about biden ordering more vaccines under the the additional clauses that he exercised that were written into the contracts that trump negotiated mm -hmm. for operation warp speed but in addition to that i saw um you know that guy who pretends to be an epidemiologist on twitter eric Fiegelding or whatever who's like a nutritionist who, yes who's big anti-Trump, whatever. He's anti-opening the schools. But I then, don't think he's Eric Fiekeldink. <laughs> what is it? Ask, I forget. Alice, I'm not sure, but let's... <laughs> I don't think anybody would... Uh... I thought it was like ding, no? Okay, keep going. Whatever. Anyway, that guy. He, um, he also uh, sent his kids to private school in Europe, even though he was advocating for schools to be closed here. But he was mad at Operation Warp Speed because Operation Warp Speed, within the contract that Trump negotiated, forbids us from giving away vaccines that were manufactured and purchased for Americans to other countries. So that's the big reason we haven't donated our excess stockpile of vaccines, to, mm. including ones that haven't even been approved here to other countries, is because the contracts don't allow us to give them away to other countries. They're, if they're bought for Americans, they have to be used for Americans. And uh, the, he was mad at it, Dr. Eric was. Mm. But, uh, you know, I was like, oh, good, another fabulous thing that Operation Warp Speed did. Good job, Trump. Right. Suck it up, fecal <laughs> dink. That's the way it's happening. Nicole Wallace, of course, said the same thing. And Operation Warp Speed didn't do anything to get a needle into an arm. So Except for when it did. So yeah, the millions of people who got one on, during the Trump administration would beg to differ. So last night was supposed to be Joe Biden's night, and... Um, you know, all of the normal or expected pandering was there with the like puke moments. Madam Speaker, Madam Vice President. Oh, yeah, girl. Yeah. Slay queen. No president has ever said those words from this podium. No president has ever said those words. And it's about time. <laughs> Here's the thing that you don't understand, and maybe this is a man-woman thing, so you understand it, Alice, but the premise of that being a thing mm -hmm. is that it's been all unfairness and injustice that's made it so that there hasn't been a steady stream of uh, women up behind him there. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, that the fix is in, and it's not a, a merit thing. It's just simply, be, it was always identity before. Right. And, but the, it's also, there's something about, there's something about saying, you see, I didn't go there. I haven't been there. And it's unfair. It's been unfair all these years when it has been 
when there has it's been accessible for right. women and minorities to do this for decades. Um, there's something about it. It reminds me of um. We could have had we, Madam Vice President in 2009, by the way. We, yes, we could have had it in, in 1984. Right. So here's the other thing: is one of the things that was always pathetic about being a Red Sox fan, mm-hmm. and I was like this too. There were so many times as a Red Sox fan that if you grew up like I did, so that in the 70s they didn't didn't win a World Series. They got you know crushed in uh, in 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 78. Bucky Dent hits a walk off homer, ruins everybody's dreams. In 86, they lose a World Series to the Mets. That's a Bill Buckner thing. Goes through his uh, legs. Mm-hmm. It's all a heartbreak, whatever. And uh, they came close in 99. They had they went to the ALCS. Then they got beat by a dominant Yankees team. And then 2003, of course, the Aaron Boone walk-off home run. Mm-hmm. And and um, Dan Shaughnessy had written a book about the curse of the Bambino. Mm-hmm. And there were actual people, including probably for a number of years, me, who thought the Red Sox, the gods, just didn't want us to win. And that the <clears throat> and my did my dad hadn't seen them win, and I guess his dad could have seen them win. I'm not sure, but <clears throat> but there's this thing that you know we uh, it's the curse of the Bambino. We can't. We're just not meant to win. Our Red Sox find a way to lose no matter mm-hmm. what. It's just not meant to be. And then we went from that when it got close to the Yankees, like in '99 and 2003, mm-hmm. to say <clears throat> you know the Red Sox can't win. Maybe it's not the curse, but it's it's the fact that the Yankees have a much bigger payroll, so the Sox can never win because the Yankees spend too much money. So just on paper, we can't buy enough, you know, uh, strikeouts and dominant innings by pitchers and enough hits and run production by batters. There's simply we can't buy enough to make it happen. Simply the math isn't there. And it was really looking back on it like a really pathetic, totally anti-intellectual thing to say. It was, it was lazy. To think that way, because you know the next year they won, and then a few years later they won, and then they won again, and then they won again. And sure, there were some changes made to happen, but it's just a whole thing like that. Oh, you fixed it so the girls can't win. No, they made it. See, guys, girls win. This it, it, it comes from a, a place of weakness. It does and pettiness that it's so like weak. And it, it, I'm going to give you another example. Of what, it's it's really it's like one of our kids having to make sure we get all of our kids. Because kid A, B, and C got, uh, you know, a Rice Krispie cake. Kid D has to have one or else that's unfair. And, of course, it's the it's their entire world's based on it. And, you know, our kids, we see it. You know, when kid mm-hmm. four doesn't get or kid three doesn't get what the rest of the kids have, it's, oh, my God, injustice. I can't believe you're doing that to me. And they break down, whatever. In the sense of fairness in the world. And that's why it's like, oh, there's two ladies up there. Says the guy condescending totally. Right. And the girl saying, yeah, see, now we've made the unfair fair finally. Now it's fair finally. It's so weak. If you're if you're trying yeah. to look like you're being strong now, like alpha woman or alpha person, it's not. It looks pathetic. Men are laughing at women who act like that. Well, yeah, it's... Um it's obviously it's related to the thing about the t-shirts like no mm-hmm. guy walks around in a t-shirt that says guys rule the world right it's right. the same thing because there's like a weird overcompensation oversensitive defensive thing about the whole thing well like well that's why I can't you know girls are awesome they're better it's just that XYZ is unfair that's why you know it's a 
it's a weird inferiority complex and it comes from a total place of not thinking that you're good enough and discomfort with your actual achievements and your actual resume. Yeah, I just think I think it's it's pathetic, and every time I see it, it makes me uncomfortable. Well, look, there's something you haven't seen before, and it also doesn't matter. Right, it doesn't matter. I mean, if in if anything, it degrades from the legitimacy of the two women, mm-hmm. because Biden said that he wasn't going to pick a running mate based on talent, expertise, intellect, or anything else. He was going to base it purely. On gender, mm-hmm. and then and then when George Floyd happened, exactly. it had to be a woman of color, right? Even so, like Ed Markey when he was saying Elizabeth Warren would be a great choice, and a woman of color would right. be the best choice. I mean, this is I mean, if you were somebody who had actually any kind of self respect, you would tell him to go to hell when he calls you and says, "Okay, we've decided that not apart from anything you've accomplished or anything you are." Based on a couple of physical characteristics, mm-hmm. which I thought women aren't supposed to be judged on, uh, based on a couple of physical characteristics, we've just we decided to pick you for this. And don't think, by the way, mm-hmm. that men buy any of this. Most, well, especially a guy like Biden buys any of this. If the culture now wants to raise up hot but dumb women. And that polls well. Biden will pick that, right? You know, there's no valuing. If any, I mean, it happens in all sorts of different ways, all over the place, etc. It's just such a poor look. And I and I and, and obviously men, men just don't have the excuse built in. But any, I, I'm men are also white men, which mm-hmm. is what I am. I'm competing up against all the bad white men, right? Right. And they're all doing better than me. Or most of them, okay? I, I think most of them have more money. Anybody, you know, in whatever, et cetera, whatever it is. So I'm just saying that, like, I just don't, I haven't, wasn't given the excuse. You know, if somebody decides, you know what, we're going to find find a, a fat one with a bad credit score, <laughs> and then they pick me, I'm not going to think I did something well. I don't want you to give me a special round of applause. They picked me for other reasons, not based on anything that, that's, uh, you know, merit, merit-based. Right. All right. Let's go through some Biden cuts. Ready? Okay. I tried to listen to this, let the record show. Yeah. And I was, thought I was going to fall asleep on my car ride home trying to listen no. to this because it was uh, deadly boring. Well, uh, apparently, Alice, you don't appreciate the fact that just a couple of months ago, an event happened that eclipsed both 9-11 and Pearl Harbor. And inherited a nation, we all did, that was in crisis. The worst pandemic in a century. The worst economic crisis since the Great Depression. The worst attack on our democracy since the Civil War. I don't know. I don't know. I think JFK, uh, around November 23rd, would say uh, maybe he feels that there was a bad day for democracy. Yeah, uh... November 22nd, 1963. Right. Um, and, you know, like you said, 9-11, Pearl Harbor, mm-hmm. you know, the internment camps, the Oklahoma City bomber. I mean, you could, like, go on and on. A million things have happened that were worse than January 6, 2021. Right. And by the way, the worst financial crisis since the Depression, this is a self-imposed crisis. Right. There never needed to be a crisis mm-hmm. at all. Right. And the whole thing 
too, with the economic growth. I don't know if you were going to get to this later. Maybe I'm stepping on it. But with the economic growth, it doesn't count as economic growth if you're recovering out of a hole that you put us in. You and your dumb, like all the Democrats. Right. I don't know policies, if we'll get to that, but right? you're right. You know what I mean? Like, oh, we have such, we have the biggest economic growth ever. Yeah. It's different than the 2008 financial crisis, which was based on fundamentals of what things were worth, where things lost value that was fake value. We had a bubble in in the housing market you know where things weren't really worth what they were worth that's not what's happening here what's happening here is that we turned off our economy and broke it on purpose right and now it's going back to normal so i would expect it to grow quickly because it's not really growth it's and 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 it's it's about to be well the the funny thing is it's mm -hmm. about to be flush with cash and unfortunately flush with too much cash Right, because this economy that's going to be surging back because it was already it had already hit an incredible stride during Trump mm-hmm. is going to resume that stride, and now you've uh, you've uh, injected extra cash money into the economy mm-hmm. artificially. Right, and not only that, it's it has this inflationary effect that dumping all this cash into the economy has. There's also like a multiplier effect to it because what happens is that the cash gets dumped into the economy. People want to spend money in restaurants and stores because they have all this cash. And those places, because everyone's getting free cash from the government, aren't able to hire people at normal wages. So there's more upward Mm -hmm. pressure on wages, which means more upward pressure. Because the government is competing... For employees. Right. And winning in a lot of cases. Yeah, because they're paying people more than their ordinary wages to not work. Right. So, so John, the truck driver now, instead mm-hmm. of 30 bucks an hour, gets 70 bucks an hour, which means the goods and services that John brings right. will cost more. Right. So all these places, the Democrats are talking about $15 minimum wage. I mean, I don't know if this is true everywhere in the country, but all the like big box stores and stuff around here are starting people at $16, $17 an hour, like freight employees. This, I mean, like line level people, mm-hmm. not managers or something. This is the reality of what these places are paying right now just because they can't attract and retain people to compete with the unemployment checks. And not only that, you see restaurants all the time. We ate at a great restaurant, the famous restaurant of the leaning in comment <laughs> right. a couple of weeks ago. And... Um, and they've had to close their dining room because they do not have enough employees. They cannot hire enough people at normal wages where they can. I mean, and so they're going to have to raise prices. So these prices are going to keep flying upward. I mean, this is and, you know, and now Biden's talking about throwing more money. First of all, the uh, free checks to parents that we've talked about start in July. And then next after that comes they i mean they want obviously that's going to become permanent now but now the democrats and the republicans are in a war over who can give more money to families for free and you know and then we're going to forgive student loans and we're going to do this and we're going to do that and you know like the i'm uh, getting a little nervous because all this economic growth may not really be growth it might just be a you know that the numbers but, are going getting bigger, but no, no, no actual value is increasing. As far as dodging a bullet, mm-hmm. uh, the Shattuck's once again barely surviving, getting running out of the way of the moving rolling boulder, a la <laughs> Indiana Jones. It's a blessing for us that we were deleted last year. Uh, yeah, I would say so because all the lumber, there was a lot of lumber involved in deletting our house because a lot of uh, things were replaced. We redid our whole attic. We had to reframe our whole front of our house. Um, uh, so 
uh, that would have cost quite a bit more than the seventy-five grand plus the additional renovations that we did uh, than it did last year. <laughs> it doesn't matter, Alice. Blessing in disguise, honey. Very soon I'm going to be getting one of these fancy climate jobs. For too long, we've failed to use the most important word when it comes to meeting the climate crisis. Jobs. 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 There is absolutely nothing to that. The jobs would be come from the marketplace if mm-hmm. the jobs were needed. If they're artificial jobs, constructs, fake movie facades that the government is um, is funding, you know, uh, a la Solyndra, mm-hmm. these aren't real jobs. These are not sustainable jobs. These will go away. And the idea that we're doing this and we're putting, we're going to put 500,000 uh, rechargeable stations around the country, etc. By the way, our town now has two recharging stations, maybe even more. There might be some in the high school too, but I know there's ones at Town Hall. So our town of less than 5,000 people, I don't even think, I could be wrong, but I don't even think we have a gas station in our town, do we? No. We don't have, even have a gas station. We now have electric vehicle charging stations, so that's good. Excellent. <laughs> so that is where we are. The, the green jobs idea is a total, there's nothing. We've seen Biden do the green jobs thing before. That was all right. a good thing when he said that no one's talked about jobs when it comes to green. We had a whole administration of this with you there so this isn't like we've never heard this one before biden we've heard you and your important three-letter word j-o-b-s and the uh, recovery summer and the shovel ready jobs and Solyndra and all the things we've we've seen this movie we know what happens so we don't need to spend another couple trillion dollars trying it again that's okay yes we do and we're about to (laughs) this is we um we um we by the way for all leading to the recovery summer which didn't come until the Trump administration mm-hmm. and of course he wouldn't be Joe Biden if he wasn't trying to uh, unite the nation and we won't ignore what our intelligence agency have determined to be the most lethal terrorist threat to the homeland today white supremacy is terrorism we're not going to ignore that either and he says white supremacy who does he mean Trump voters correct. Right, the people at the Capitol and garden variety Republicans. That's what he means right now. And so those people who were, um, you know, thinking that George Floyd was assassinated because of all the white supremacy around, that's a little nod and wink and dog whistle to you. (sighs) All right, let's get to the good news, Alice. I'm moving away from Joe now. Um, He did say that Jill Biden would be a big part of his initiative to um, give some college away for free. Free! Maybe there'll be some free Spanish classes I can take as well. Uh, yeah. So, and then the big thing that I see everybody on the right talking about is the universal pre-K because this is a big talking point. And, and I think it's a big value judgment, um, you know, for conservatives especially who don't necessarily see pre-K as a great thing um and you know when there's polling done on people's preferences more lower income people would prefer to not have pre-k would prefer the option to stay home and it's generally higher income people that have a lot of interest in um pre-k so generally because they have more incentive to want to work because they already have a higher income and they want to get their kids you know into a really nice high-end preschool that's going to be very 
beautiful people and uh, very smart and give them your, their kids the chance to get into an Ivy League because they went to the best possible preschool. So it, that tends to be a thing like the college loan forgiveness that's more a concern of upper middle class people. And I think that it's something that um, that really delineates once again that the the Democratic Party is shifting much more towards being the party of that sort of yuppie upper middle class mm kind of you know the right. resistance wine moms yep. and not kind of working people many of whom would prefer to spend the time themselves with their kids and you know and and then of course the the rhetoric becomes very weird on the left because people on the left obviously think that it's a universal good first of all that everyone should go to college obviously so biden's plan that he presented was two years free community college two years free pre-k so an extra four years of free government funded education so there's been a lot of talk about this of course in places that routinely outperform us like european schools kids often don't start going to school until they're like seven because the many more parents stay home and raise their kids and the, and the state supports that too. I'm not saying that there's not state supports for that, but many more pro family, um, less fiscally conservative Republicans, I think would rather see more of a child tax credit, something that parents could use on pre-K if they wanted, but, um, would also be able to use to have more freedom to be home with their kids if possible. Um, but of course the left hates that because the left hates the idea that all their credentials and expertise can just be outweighed by somebody not wanting to send the kid to the special um, educators at the preschool. So um, this woman, Leah Askaranam, I don't know, she works at National Journal, and uh, she's a former teacher, and she uh, had a problem with this. J.D. Vance tweeted that he wants... um, that he wants money that makes it easier to care for kids. So send the money to parents, not corporate daycare. And and he essentially says daycare or pre-K is terrible for children. And she says, this sounds like make it easier for women to stay home. That said, it would be fascinating to see politicians advocating for parents taking on all early childcare to include men. And then she says, also, quick former teacher rant. Pre-K teachers are trained to work with young kids. Asking parents to take on those responsibilities without training and resources undermines the profession. <laughs> so do you hear that? The fact that I think I can raise my own children undermines the profession of experts. Yes, give them to us. Hand them over to us at once. We know much better than you how to take care of children. We have training in this. You do not. And we cannot trust you to raise your own children. You're going to set them back and put them behind. So this is once again saying the state thinks you are too stupid to do this. They're saying it to low-income people, to black people, to Hispanic people, excuse me, Latinx people, to poor white people. They're saying it to all these people. We know better. We have experts. We have people with fancy degrees who can raise your children. I don't know. Uh, yes. Um, so they think that, you know, that they know better than us. And that's, I think, really the drive behind the universal pre-K is get kids into this thing earlier where they can teach them about melanin and they can teach them about pronouns. Oh, good. And all the all the nice things that they can get to them two years earlier uh, rather than waiting for kindergarten to get their little talons into them so that's that's what i think is really the driving force behind this but but it will be interesting because i think you have a lot of republicans right now who are 
interested in outcompeting the Democrats on getting money to families that are struggling. So, right. um, so once again, I think we're at an interesting shift point in in what the parties stand for and who they want to be yeah. helping. Cyril, can you take that downstairs to watch it? I'll do, I'll do your I'll do your requested shakedown apps, James, in mm-hmm. uh, just a few minutes. Yeah, can you take it downstairs, downtown. Cyril? Cyril, can you go downstairs, buddy? Thank you, buddy. That's right. Go ahead. All right. Now I'm going to let's play a little Tim Scott. It's time to feel good about Tim Scott. He was the joy and uh, the the pinnacle of enjoyment for last evening's television. This guy was absolutely on, and he is. I mean, he is all but a presidential candidate. What, what did you lose, Earls? I lost your camera. Okay. He is all but a presidential candidate at this point. So here we go. This is Tim Scott from last evening. He's got a couple of great lines. Today, kids are being taught that the color of their skin defines them again. And if they look a certain way, they're an oppressor. From colleges to corporations to our culture, people are making money and gaining power by pretending we haven't made any progress at all. By doubling down on the divisions, we've worked so hard to heal. You know this stuff is wrong. Hear me clearly, America is not a racist country. He caught hell for that. That's mm-hmm. the thing that got him. The moment he said that, he drew the ire of many in media, certainly all over social media, and um, and it, re- re- Democratic politicians all over. Mm-hmm. It's backwards to fight discrimination with different types of discrimination, and it's wrong to try to use our painful past to dishonestly shut down debates in the present. Yeah, and for that long a wrong think, he is going to uh, subsequently, in seconds from the time he said that, be dealing with uh, new hashtags, including calling him Uncle Tim. As Which in Twitter Uncle allowed Tom. to trend. And by the way, Twitter curates the trending topics. They don't allow it to yeah. just straight up go automated well, they, anymore. They agree. They agree so, that that's what he is. They're, because he he lost his blackness the moment he said something mm-hmm. that was not completely progressive. And so they they, they are vile people. They're, all of those people, they think they're the best people in the world. They are vile. But Tim Scott was above it. Our best future will not come from Washington schemes or socialist dreams. It will come from you, the American people, black, Hispanic, white, and Asian, Republican and Democrat, brave police officers in black neighborhoods. We are not adversaries. We are family. Here, here, here. And that's at a time, of course, last night he said that today two uh, North Carolina police officers were killed uh, at uh, trying to uh, do a wellness check at a house. Locking vulnerable kids out of the classroom is locking adults out of their future. Our public schools should have reopened months ago. Other countries did. Private and religious schools did. Science has shown for months that schools are safe. But too often, powerful grown-ups set science aside, and kids like me were left behind. Damn, damn, damn. This guy is on. He is hitting it out of the mm-hmm. park. I don't know if he's writing his own stuff or what's going on, but his messaging is perfect. He is right where he should be. And it's really just mm-hmm. common sense. Right. But m- most people aren't allowed to say it. And apparently he's not either. We just heard President Biden's first address to Congress. Our president seems like a good man. His speech was full of good words, 
But President Biden promised you a specific kind of leadership. He promised to unite a nation, to lower the temperature, to govern for all Americans, no matter how we voted. This was the pitch. You just heard it again. But our nation is starving for more than empty platitudes. We need policies and progress that brings us closer together. But three months in, the actions of the president and his party are pulling us further and further apart. Damned right. And there's an interesting there's an interesting thought that uh, listening to the Jonah Goldberg podcast today, she had he had A.B. Stoddard on, mm-hmm. who is now with Real Clear Politics, I think. Oh, okay. She does some stuff, I think, either with either The Bulwark or The Dispatch as well. She's a really good reporter. Mm-hmm. Um, she, I don't think she was ever a Trump fan, but but she's more an X's and O's analyst right. of these things. And she said that she had some, it was a really good interview. She said that that the Biden people, during the campaign, of course, you know, they ran as more moderate. Mm-hmm. And he was not going to do things like pack the court, and he was going to do you know this and that, the filibuster stuff, and and he was he ran as this more moderate. He wanted to get reasonable Americans to like him. He wanted some of those uh, you know mm-hmm. Rust Belt folks to like him again. And so they said her feeling is that the Biden team was totally thrown off and shocked that they won Georgia, and mm-hmm. they didn't expect it. So they had been preparing, laying the groundwork of having to deal with Mitch McConnell. Right. Suddenly that was gone, and the uh, orcs came storming through the White House doors, the Democrat orcs, <laughs> making all of their demands, and the, the team Biden was, like, powerless against it. I thought, oh, my, I don't even know what's happening. And so in one sense they were powerless and saying they were, they're toppling, you know, our planned agenda. Mm-hmm. At the same time they thought, oh, my God, we have everything now. We've got all three branches. Right. Oh, really, only two years, if two years, because that one George Senate seat is... Um, up again in 2022. I think it's up again, but it's not... I think it's a special election or something. I think it, it was... Before. I thought it was a special election this last time. Uh, yes, it is. Yeah, you're right. But if... No, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're right. In 2022. Right. But with the census, you know, that could throw the balance off as well. Mm-hmm. So now they're thinking, okay, we've got two years. This presidency has two years. Uh, let's try to just screw it. We're not going to be able to do anything in two years anyway. It's going to be like Obama in you know 2010 mm-hmm. after the Republicans took back uh, the Congress when it was over. His presidency ended after two years. Right. Biden people said, okay, it's two years. Now that's why this is happening like this. Mm-hmm. You know, And he's just being, they're being half pushed around, but halfway they want to get stuff done so that right. he can say that he's Roosevelt, which is what he's been doing. Right, and I think that, that's why you're seeing the the push for they're trying to turn what was the American Rescue Plan, uh, you know, just the one thing into three things. They want this trifecta of the American Rescue Plan, the American Jobs Plan, the American Families Plan. And that includes basically everything progressives have ever wanted. I mean, there's other stuff. There's like the voting bill. There's the gun stuff they want to do. But they're really trying to focus on these three big packages of legislation. Obviously, they already passed the American Rescue Plan. Um, with the help of Manchin and Cinema, but they had to, you know, adjust some stuff to get Joe Manchin fully on board. They had to lower the caps a little bit for who qualified for the $1,400, things like that. And, um, you know, Manchin stood in the way, I think, of them getting exactly what they wanted there. I don't see, for the moment, I, I think some form of some of these things might pass. I do not think they're going to pass as currently 
constituted with mansion and cinema there. So, you know, it remains to be seen if they can get something. Harry Reid thinks he has a way. Um, not Harry Reid. Jeez. Chuck Schumer thinks he's found a way to um, to do the this uh, reconciliation thing for three bills instead of two so they're going to try and make it these three things that they push to do with reconciliation with 51 votes but to do that they still need mansion and cinema both on board so we might see some changes to some of these things um before they get to a point i don't think that for example the huge amount for like home health care is going to end up in the infrastructure package Uh, another issue should that should unite us is infrastructure. Do we just Republicans no? support everything you think of when you think of infrastructure. Roads, bridges, ports, airports, waterways, high-speed broadband. We're in for all of that. But again, Democrats want a partisan wish list. They won't even build bridges to build bridges. Less than 6% of the president's plan goes to roads and bridges. It's a liberal wish list of big government waste. Here, here. <clears throat> Tim Scott, senator from Florida. This is our big finish cut for mm-hmm. Tim Scott, and this is perfect, and it's almost by design. Nowhere do we need common ground more desperately than in our discussions of race. I have experienced the pain of discrimination. I know what it feels like to be pulled over for no reason, to be followed around the store while I'm shopping. I remember... Every morning at the kitchen table, my grandfather would open the newspaper and read it, I thought. But later I realized he had never learned to read it. He just wanted to set the right example. I've also experienced a different kind of intolerance. I get called Uncle Tom and the N-word by progressives, by liberals. Just last week, a national newspaper suggested my family's poverty was actually privilege. (laughs) because a relative owned land generations before my time. Believe me, I know firsthand our healing is not finished. And seconds later, they were calling him Uncle Tom and Uncle Tim and calling him the N-word and going after him completely with these uh, bigoted slurs all over social media. And listen to the... This is Joy Reid. Listen to her, um, the tone of what she says. She is not happy with what Scott said. Mm-hmm. This was standard Republican pabulum. This could have been delivered by Tom Cotton or Mike Lee. America's not a racist country. There's no racism here. It's, it, I'm not sure what the purpose of this was. I, his audience to me appeared to be. Can you imagine? He went up there and said it's not a racist country. Can you imagine? You, how dare you say that, Tim? That is not the going uh, accepted discord. The rule is it has to be a very racist country. That's the rule. It's so funny, too, because he literally listed examples of racism that he's encountered in America. He isn't saying that no racism exists at all in America. But he's saying it's not omnipresent. Yeah, he's saying that that's not the defining characteristic of our nation, which is what the left would have you believe. They would have you believe that everybody who was involved in founding this country and every decision they made was motivated purely by hatred of people of color, women, indigenous people, LGBTQ people. Who am I leaving out? Everybody. You know, they. they People without pronouns. The whole constitution was based on being mean to black people, which, I mean, Certainly, some of the founders owned slaves. It, uh, 
you know, the modern people are not the first to call it the original sin of our nation. That's been getting tossed around for a long time. I, the founders even knew it was a problem when they did it. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why George Washington emancipated his slaves at his death. The, the founding fathers, many of them were flawed. However, well, many of them were abolitionists as well. And the True. the uh, all men are created equal was put in there for a reason. Right. And it was a clever, almost time bomb. By a man who owned other people, but also knew that it was wrong to own other people. And I say well, that. Well, the, the, the term was fought over as well. Are you talking mm-hmm. about Jefferson? Right. He went back to being an a-hole towards when he got really old. I mean, he he went back and forth, I would say. And like many people, he had things he was right about and things he was wrong about, and he was a man of his time, and you know, and I don't want to make excuses for him because he did some stuff that wasn't good. But uh, but that's that's everybody. That's all of history. And to say that his primary motivating factor was racism when he wrote the Declaration of Independence or when he was a part of crafting the Constitution is just incorrect. It's, it's ahistorical, among other things. Right. And, and it's like what Tim Scott is saying. There's a difference between saying racism exists in our country. There are racial incidents there are people who do racist things or say racist things there might even be people who say racist things that aren't really motivated by hatred but you know say something that they don't really mean one time or something you know so there's a continuum of how racist you think america is and it's possible to say that racist things happen in america without saying america is fundamentally a racist nation but the left would have you believe that and that's why they're so upset they're so so upset that somebody would challenge their narrative that america is racist and terrible front to back like our justice system is Mm -hmm. racist front to back as elizabeth warren said you know they have a narrative that everything is driven by race by white supremacy by evil white people having it in for people of color so so if you try and undermine that that you know gets in the way of first of all a lot of their money-making ventures because many of them make a lot of money off fomenting this division and hatred but also you know all of their political views all the stuff about the georgia law if you say the georgia law is not really racist then you know then you're undermining their whole narrative their whole reason for being Correct, and Megan McKeon and the View was having none of it. She also, for this, was torn apart on social media today. He went on to explain policy reasons why he's a Republican. And in response, he was trending on Twitter being called Uncle Tom and Uncle Tim, which I can many, many Americans consider a racial slur. So it's okay to be racist and use racial slurs towards black men as long as they are Republicans. I'm disgusted by the response to him. Hit him on policy if you have policy problems with him. But the way he is being talked about, the way he is being disrespected. Don't talk to me about microaggressions with with race in this country. Don't talk to me about the problems we have in this country with racism when it's okay to speak and treat a black man this way who happens to be the most famous Republican black senator in the country. It's okay to treat him that way. It's okay for Twitter to let it trend for 11 hours, which is supposed to be against their, their policies and standards. It's okay to let it trend against Senator Scott. I don't believe it would have happened if he was a Democrat. And it is so... 
hurt me, disgusted me, and saddened me. Literally ruined my night and ruined my morning because of it. I think I'm so grossed out by the entire thing. And to Senator Scott, there's so many of you, us, that support and love you and think you did a fantastic job last night. And he's the one that should be running for president, not Nikki Haley. Dang, Megan. Hmm. Nice nod. Yeah. Hey, are we? Um, are you? Are we fans? Are you fans of the Duggars? Um, so so. Why? Because uh, Josh just got uh, arrested by the feds. Yeah, he has issues. Yeah. Um. So, what else? What did he say we were going to do yesterday? Today on the show. What is going on, James? Is Why Max is, here? What's What's the dog doing? Uh, Wendy's delivery guy? Yes. Do you want to get it or do you want to fill? Um, I'll fill. So, um, yeah. Well, do you want, why don't, why don't I fill? Okay. Okay. Um, so, uh, the other thing that was happening here was, I don't know whether Wendy's, if you assume it's a hitman, I assume. Okay. We didn't order one. Did you order no, Wendy's? I did not order. Okay. There's a Wendy's delivery guy here. That's great. There's no chaos. All right. So the other thing that was happening here was um, I want to give a shout out to Robin Roberts, who actually asked a question to Kamala Harris today, because during the entire Biden series uh, series speech last night, he never he never mentioned the crisis at the border at all, which was a rather glaring omission. So Robin Roberts, the Today Show or whatever show she's on uh, person, asked Kamala Harris about that. About immigration. He did not lay out a concrete plan with dealing with the surge of migrants, especially at the border. And that's your task. That's a job that he has handed you. So can you be specific with immediate plans that you will have in facing this issue? So, Robin, what he mentioned is that I am responsible for and, and, and have been taking on the responsibility of dealing <laughs> with the root causes of migration. Right, right. Of course she has. All right, Alice Shattuck is returning now. We'll get an update on our Wendy's delivery, on our unsolicited Wendy's delivery. Um, Let's see what happened here. Right into the mic. It was for our same address, but in Haverhill. Oh, why didn't you just take it? Alice. I didn't want it. How do you know? It's free Wendy's, right? They get charged. No, that would be wrong, to, first of all. Got to learn to uh, think in your feet, Alice. I didn't. I don't want to take it. Always screw Wendy's. over the next fella if it gets you something... No, one up I on him. I didn't want the delivery guy to be in trouble. I felt for him. Alice, Alice, Alice. You know what? You know what's overrated? Heaven. Mm. And not having no Wendy's, all right? So I want to play this again so you can hear it. Robin okay. Roberts of the Today Show or CBS This Morning or whatever uh, asked Kamala Harris a real question today. About immigration. He did not lay out a concrete plan with dealing with the surge of migrants, especially at the border. And that's your task. That's a job that he has handed you. So can you be specific with immediate plans that you will have in facing this issue? So, Robin, what he mentioned is that I am responsible for and, and, and have been taking on the responsibility of dealing with the root causes of migration. She is so frigging clueless and out of answers <laughs> so quickly. You heard yesterday what she's doing now. There are also long-standing issues that um, are often called the root causes of immigration. We are looking at the issue of poverty and the lack, therefore, of economic opportunities, the issue of extreme weather conditions uh, and the lack of climate adaptation, as well as corruption and the lack of good governance, 
and violence against women, indigenous people, LGBTQ people, and Afro-descendants. And my woke punch list is done. And so you got those words, right? Because I'm going to leave now and go back to doing nothing with my cool sneakers. I'm waiting around for the inevitable. And I think we all know what I'm talking about there. Ah, that was great. She is the most vacuous person who's been the vice president since uh, the current president was the vice president. Okay, so uh, another thing was just today an interesting, an interesting. First of all, this is what I want to say to you. Okay. If you not to you, to you listening, if you have a child or a spouse, or if you yourself are writing fawning songs about how good and and competent. In forthright, in transparent, Jen Saki is, then you need to go to Whispering Meadows and spend a long time there and go on the porch mm-hmm. and eat the pill out of the pleated cup when the men tell you to. Because you're effing crazy if that's what you're seeing here. Mm-hmm. She is a hacks hack. She's not a great one. She never was a great one. They're all hacks. These flax are hacks. That is what right. they do. So to ascribe these like wonderful, wonderful characteristics and attributes to no, you don't do that to a freaking flack, please. And I've worked with flacks. Flacks are wonderful. Well, can be wonderful people depending. Mm-hmm. Some are wonderful people, but it's a job. It's a job. All a flack is is an agent for the messaging of the principal who's right. usually paying. This time she's an in-house flack. Once she's done with this, she'll be uh, probably an outside shop flack. It'll be mm-hmm. Pisaki and Pisaki or whatever. Well, right, but now to be a flack for flax unpaid just on the internet is... Yes. Uh, that's a next and, and, level. And, and, and I'm not playing that song. I, there, there, but the, but I just saw... When I, when I looked Twitter search Saki tonight, too many praises came out. Oh, yes, girl. Like, she just totally dunked on this reporter totally like reporters asking legit questions mm-hmm. like when somebody asks what are you doing at the border that's not an attack from a reporter right. that's a question that's a legitimate question you're allowed to ask questions mm-hmm. you know uh, uh, about issues well and i don't think we had this during obama i mean obviously the media loved obama but i don't think we had this level of fawning for random communication staff during Obama. No, all the love was reserved for the big man. So it's not inter- I mean, the Joe remember- Biden shaking down Hunter for his China deals. The big guy, the big man, meaning Obama. Right. I mean, I do think you know people did you know like Biden and some of the other like major players in the administration. Obviously, Hillary Clinton has fans somehow. I don't know why, but some people like her stuff like that. But but you know nobody was like in love with Obama's press secretaries, but. No, I think these are all contrasted against against McEnany and Huckabee, right. and I mean, and Spicer too. But primarily, mm-hmm. I think it is like because of the they really hated the women who right, and especially McEnany, yeah, because she was uh, like what Harvard lawyer and a flat and beautiful and really good at flacking, mm-hmm. which is messaging and and uh, and uh, deflecting. And right. double speak, etc. She was well, really Huckabee good. Well, Huckabee was great too, and they hated her. But I think mm-hmm. you're right. I think the uh, yeah, but they got they felt good because they got to call her ugly, right? And laugh when yeah. Michelle Wolf called her ugly and right. go after her pies. So, but Magnani was also gorgeous. So right. that kind of fell through with her. She was not only beating them up at that's the press. That's what I'm saying, Alice. I, well, that's Duh. what I was. 
trying to agree with your point and you just talked oh, over me. Go ahead, keep agreeing. That was lovingly. all I wanted to say. Um, so what is the um, uh, what did I bring up? Okay, so I brought it up because at one point somebody in CNN is asking Saki this morning mm-hmm. about like why should Trump be out there? Um, you know, trying to tell people to take the vaccine, or should Biden? You know, people are watching him yesterday enter the chambers with a mask on. I mean, the, the he's modeling behavior. Is that is that going to be a problem with people taking the vaccine? Talk to us, Jen Psaki. What is your theory on this? What our data shows is that it's not actually former presidents, uh, uh, you know, celebrities, others who are going to convince the majority of Americans who have not yet taken the vaccine that it's safe and effective. It is local doctors, it's clergy, it's civic leaders. So that's why our investment, $3 billion to do a big public advocacy campaign is focused on empowering those local voices because when your neighbor gets the vaccine, when your friend across the street gets the vaccine, you're much more likely to get it. Well, if that's the strategy, why is the donkey in the Oval Office wearing a mask constantly? Right. Why is the vice president, the clueless vice president, wearing a mask constantly it, it, while they're socially distanced, while Biden's in the middle of Arlington Cemetery? Actually, the moralistic, weird behavior from prominent liberals about the vaccine, I guarantee has only served to make people more hesitant about the vaccine than not. Yes. This weird, like... First of all, the people posting selfies of themselves and talking about how they got vaccinated and putting up this like frame on their Facebook the sticker, profile the saying sticker. wearing stickers. Right. I don't get all it. this I don't stuff. Get it. I don't get it. Alice, people who are related to us, mostly you, have posted with stickers. <laughs> I haven't noticed. Please. That. There's also people related to me who are busily working on getting religious exemptions and stuff. So my relations run the gamut. So, but. You know, it doesn't, I don't think it helps the case with the vaccine if you, if they act like this about it, like that they really need to get and like this weird emotional blackmail, like, well, we can't go back to normal until you all get it. Like that, that is a not helpful because that makes it seem like weird and shame. And even talking about it's way premature to talk about mandating anything, anything. Uh, it, that's my opinion, but. You know, Maura Healy, who's probably going to be the next governor of this state, I would assume, uh, who is currently our AG, she has suggested that all state employees should be mandated to get it, including like all state troopers and corrections employees and police officers. Does that also mean DCF, health care? I would assume so. I would assume all teachers. You're going to have a little bit of a problem there, Maura. Uh, So I would say that she's going to run into pushback uh, with this as especially from unions, from police unions and teachers unions are going to push back a lot on this, I would assume. But um, more than that, we don't even know if we're going to need a mandate yet. A lot of people have natural immunity, too. A lot of people have gotten the vaccine. A lot of people are still getting the vaccine. It's now very easy to get appointments, but there are still millions of people being vaccinated every single day in this country. The cases are still falling It's not clear that we're going to need to mandate everything. Remember when Baker mandated the flu shot for all the kids in school last year because they didn't want a twindemic Mm -hmm. and then there was no flu. So the mandate quietly went away because we just didn't need it because there was no flu. That's my hope of what's going to happen with this stupid COVID stuff is that COVID is just going to be gone. So then we can stop talking mandates. Yes, dear. Um, Last night we said something about getting to messages or something 
from people and I, and I forgot there to was it. a message that you got from someone that you wanted to talk about how the biden border crisis isn't a crisis it's intentional oh really was that on where was that Do you, you sent it to me on twitter okay I'm not going to be able to find it. Okay, so while you do that, I want to um, read this advice column to you that I found that was in Slate. Um, the Slate advice columns are always the best because really, really psychotic people write into Slate for advice. And the people giving the advice are only marginally less insane. But this was one that stood out to me. This person wrote into a, um, a kids and family advice column called Care and Feeding at Slate Magazine. And she writes, Dear Karen Feeding, I am a happily child-free woman in my 30s, and I have a group of dear friends I've been close with since college. Why am I writing to a parenting column? Because I suspect one of this group will soon be the first or only of us to have a child, and I'm dismayed, to say the least. I realize I have no right to feel that way, and I will try to hide it from my friend, but still, I feel the way I feel. So my question is, how can I be a good supportive friend when this is something that is not my cup of tea? I find the idea of pregnancy and birth horrifying, and I do not like children, particularly babies and toddlers. I don't want to cut off my friend, but I suspect that she and this child will be a package deal for quite some time. Mm. So I need to learn to coexist with this potential creature. Are there books on how to interact positively with small humans? I'm very good with animals, but I don't think those skills translate. My usual tactic is just to ignore the kid and focus on the person I'm interacting with. Is that okay or is that rude? If I make plans, to what extent do I need to specifically include or make accommodations for a child versus do things as usual and let her figure out a way to make it work? Are there particularly offensive things I should not do or say either to or about the kid? Do I need to moderate my own behavior? I'm not especially crass, but the occasional bad word or off-color remark will come out. How do I keep my cool if there's a tantrum or other super annoying behavior? Assuming there's a pregnancy announcement soon, do I fake happiness and excitement like I'm supposed to? Or is there a way that I can express ambivalence without being rude or dismissive? Okay, so can you read the first paragraph again? I am a happily child-free woman in my 30s, and I have a group of dear friends I've been close with since college. Why am I writing to a parenting column? Because I suspect one of this group will soon be the first or only of us to have a child, and I'm dismayed, to say the least. I really- what does she suspect? Is it she consents <laughs> fornicating? <laughs> Maybe her friend has gained a few pounds. Ooh. Wow, that is fat shaming. Uh, I realize I have no right to feel that way, and I will try to hide it from my friend. But still, I feel the way I feel. Or the friend probably isn't drinking at the bar. Maybe that's maybe. Oh, that's true. One of those. That's the old giveaway. Mm-hmm. So uh, let me let me tell you, um, uh, shy in Seattle, or trying not to be a jerk. Trying not to be a jerk from Tingsboro. Um, you are right in your belief because. You are correct to be concerned, and you will have to end the friendship with this person because this person is about to be completely self-absorbed and self-involved. When you're young and single, there is – and I was just talking to the local fatsos about this. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because one of the guys, uh, Steve, has a wife, and Dan is afraid that Steve is going to have a kid – Mm-hmm. And for a guy, anyway, that kind of neuters you. You're no longer yeah. you're no longer a, a, sh- a shark once you've got a you're a mm-hmm. guppy. You know, you're a soft fish. So that's fine. But so in her case, her friend is about to be a lot less fun, mm-hmm. a lot more self absorbed. This woman doesn't like babies. I understand that. Believe me, I've had a bunch of them, and I do not like babies. And I had right. a problem with some of ours. Mm-hmm. Not a serious. Pro- yeah. Well, okay. I'll table that. And, 
show it to our lawyer before we talk about stuff. But um, so but here's my thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, her friend's about to get lame. What's he hear about? Oh, I'm so tired, guys. It's like no, because they were having they had a great dynamic. These women in their thirties together, hanging out, being young and exuberant. And but the, here's the thing. That's well, I have make a similar it, but slightly well, different. Hold on, Alice. Okay, there's the thing that's going to happen. Is it conveniently enough? Mm-hmm. The friend is going to morph, right, and find herself in a light speed in a different galaxy very quickly, and will can only have a distant memory about the times she used to go out for mojitos with the girls. Right. So she's gone anyway. So say goodbye. It's over until you then join her club and end up over where she is. Right. But Which, the- if you're not going to do that, that's your problem, you know. But, but you know, I, I guess I have a similar take, which is that, yeah, you should cut off the friend because you're terrible and your friend is entering the good part of life. And What do you mean she's terrible? The good part of life terrible. when you're 30 years old is often hanging out with a... With your bros if you're a or woman, sisters, if you're a woman in your thirties, oh no, Alice. If you're a woman in your thirties, this is Alice 30s, Shattuck saying this. Just full disclaimer: This is Alice Shattuck saying this. Is doesn't necessarily represent the views, viewpoints of the Tom Shattuck <laughs> burn barrel or Tom Shattuck himself. If you're a woman in her thirties, go ahead and if torch some of the audience, Alice. No, if you're a woman in your thirties who is happily child-free, absolutely does not want kids, then you're missing out, and probably now are going to miss out forever on. A big and important and wonderful part of life. Wow. This is why people hate young mothers, Alice. This is why. Listen to you. You You're not a completed person because you don't have kids. People in their 30s without kids are called happy, free people, having wonderful, full lives. I don't know. I've never been a person in my 30s without kids. Um, But I think having kids is great. And I think people who don't have kids are missing out. That's all. Oh, you kid elitist. That is so I funny. Think- that is so funny. I'm glad at least there's mutual, you know, um, mutual disrespect for the other. <laughs> no, I think she. I think her friend. I oh. think the friend of trying not to be a jerk should cut off trying not to be a jerk because I want to. I like trying her. not to be a jerk is awful. Oh, should I just ignore the kid and pretend they're not there? Is that rude? I She's hate, just thinking like a guy. I thinks. hate like, pregnancy and childbirth. Well, no you one's ever asking seen... you to have pregnancy and childbirth. Yes, no, but the woman's going to. Were you invited the, to the labor? The, the woman is good. The, the pregnant person is going to force the kid on all of them or try to. And she's no, gonna the have pregnant to person pretend... is going to find new friends and yeah, good for her. In the long she's term, lucky. short term, she's, she's still... lucky to get out of this toxic group of wow, people. Wow, you are vicious, tearing people apart. All right, Alice. no one is worse. You don't understand. No one is worse than the militantly child-free people. There's a whole like Reddit subreddit called um, "child-free," and the people are awful in it. They. I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I like I like cynical people sometimes. Okay, mm-hmm. Alice. I don't like them. Can you? I I get that feeling. Mm-hmm. I apologize. By the way, I will still. I like you if you are one of those militantly child-free, and I understand it. I still do not like kids. I like kids now less than I did before I had I mean, for obvious reasons. Not, maybe that's not totally true. There may there are some redeeming things about What are about you them. doing with your laptop? They get stuff. So do you see this? <laughs> I see the dog. Do you see this? this People picture? see the dog on the screen. Okay, yes. that's on my Twitter, too, if you need to see on it. On the YouTube. But um, the majority of people listen to audio only. What's okay, up, so Sally? this is the dog. Ch- check out my Twitter, and you'll see the dog. His name's Sally. See the dog? What do you think of this guy? He looks like Dave. It looks like Dave. Okay, Dave's our dog. So this is uh, this. It's a funny looking dog, an odd looking dude named Prancer. This is an NPR article that's based off of a dog that went viral on Twitter the other day. 
Good news, Prancer has been adopted. Once again, this is an odd-looking dog. <laughs> the two-year-old, 13-pound Chihuahua mutt, not so charitably described as a Chucky doll in a dog's body, end quote, was listed for adoption this month in an unusually honest ad that charmed hundreds of thousands of people on social media. Now Prancer, the haunted Victorian dog in the body of a small... Uh, the, the haunted Victorian, Victorian child in the body of a small dog that hates men and children has found a home with Ariel Davis, a 36-year-old resident of New Haven, Connecticut. She brought Prancer home last week, according to his newly created Instagram account, of course. <laughs> I read the article, I connected to it, and I was like, you know what? Why not? I'll just send them an email. What's the worst that could happen, Davis said in an interview. While the rescue dog ads can be notorious for euphemisms about problematic behaviors, Prancer's viral listing did not sugarcoat his shortcomings, of which there are many. He hates men, he hates children, he hates dogs, he hates cats, he is nervous and fearful and poorly socialized. I've tried for the last several months to post this dog for adoption and make him sound palatable. The problem is he's just not, the ad read. <laughs> There's not a very big market for a neurotic man-hating, animal-hating, children-hating dog uh, that, look, that looks like a gremlin. <laughs> the ad was written by Tiffany Fortuna, a 25-year-old volunteer with the New Jersey-based rescue uh, group Second Chance Pet Adoption League, who posted the ad to Facebook in early April. By then, Prancer had spent about six months in her care, a period Fortuna described as, quote, living in the grips of a demonic chihuahua hellscape he has created in her home. Prancer came into the agency's care terrified, untouchable, and severely overweight after being owned by an elderly woman who treated him like a human. I was excited to see him come out of his shell and become a real dog, she wrote. I am convinced at this point that he is not a real dog, but more like a vessel for traumatized Victorian child that now haunts our home. It should be noted that Prancer has also had a handful of good qualities, which the listing described. He's loyal, he is housebroken, and even though we call him baloney face, he is kind of cute to look at. After a tweet grabbing after a treat after a tweet screen grabbing the Facebook post went viral, the rescue was flooded with inquiries about Prancer, including an application from Ariel Davis, who today uh, who told Today Show that she saw the ad and realized she checked all the boxes. I'm a single woman. I'm a single lesbian. I live with another woman. I don't have any men in my life. I work in a woman's rehab. I don't have any other animals. It just felt like a perfect match, she said. <laughs> Fortuna, who, po who fostered Prancer, posted an update Monday on her Facebook saying that she was thankful for everyone who shared the post about Prancer and that his adoption was one of the best days of her life. We do miss Prancer, and he was loved here despite his quirks. I have a lot of experience with toxic men, so it was easy for me to overlook his malicious tendencies and love him anyway, she wrote. However, being relieved of the constant haunting of a Victorian child has made uh, my sleeping easier. So there you go, Alice. Good news. I uh, Good news. Thank you to um, Ariel Davis, the um, single woman, single lesbian living in... Um, in New Haven, Connecticut. Good for Prancer. I'm happy. That's a feel-good story. It is. It is. There's somebody out there for everyone, I guess. <laughs> there is, and I think that's the uh, that's the the moral of the story. I can't find that message. We'll have to try to find it for Sunday that I was going to okay. read. <laughs> um, and have you any further business with the state? That's all I have for today. All right, everybody. Another great week. Thank you so much. Uh, take care. Try to have fun this week. We're going to plant some flowers and try to move a thousand pounds of marble. Uh, it's a long story. Uh, just uh, our latest in many judgment uh, failings. Thank you, everybody, so much. Um, it is Orthodox Holy Week. The next time we talk, it will be Easter. 
Uh, so I'm looking forward to that, but we'll see you Sunday. Uh, this has been the Burn Barrel Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Burn Barrel Pod or on Gab and Parlor at Burn Barrel Podcast. Also, Facebook.com slash Burn Barrel Podcast. BurnBarrelPodcast.com. You can send us an email, BurnBarrelPodcast at gmail.com or check out our YouTube channel as well. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.